Hi everyone, and welcome to the 126th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here alone today. So, uh, yeah, uh, as, as has happened in the past, scheduling was a problem because of, you know, time zones and availability and such. This episode brought to you by the planet Earth and time zones. Uh, speaking, speaking of uh, the planet Earth, I want to talk about something. So, uh, precisely one year from the day that I'm recording this, uh, I moved to Japan. This is something that I, you know, shared with you, obviously, but like, I just wanted to let you know that, uh, I've hit that milestone. It's been a year now and, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. This has been such an amazing adventure and I don't want it to end. Like, uh, my dream for coming here has always been to, uh, pursue my passion of, uh, becoming a game developer, working in the game development industry in Japan. Uh, I feel like every day is like, a new challenge, something new that I, you know, need to surmount, you know, it could be language issues. It could be like, you know, misunderstanding cultural things, new understanding, new foods, new, just like basic things like cooking things and things like that. Obviously I still paint and draw. So there's always the challenges that come with that. And, um, yeah, every day is a new adventure, so, uh, you know, life is exciting here. Uh, speaking of challenges, though, uh, a particular technical challenge that has been dogging me for a long time may soon be alleviated, and I'm passing the alleviation on to you if, if it gets alleviated. So, uh, a year ago, before I came to Japan, we, we used to do a live stream show called the Deep Dive Stream. Uh, basically, we would play through the Kingdom Hearts games while uh, doing a deep dive analysis of every single aspect of the game. We're talking trivia, mechanics, animation, technical stuff, just like random trivia about the development of the games. Uh, talking about the lore, the story, the characters, plot analysis, like... This this series this series of live streams was like we we sort of built it as the opposite of a speed run. <laughs> so if you you know generally speaking, uh, speed runners they try to focus a hundred percent on skill and being fast and not not caring about the story. It's, that's not important. It's just about how fast you can finish the game. Whereas we're the opposite. We don't care about how long it takes. We're just taking it slow, absorbing the game, getting us all re-understanding what happened in the old games, getting ready for Kingdom Hearts 3. So I'm not saying speedrunners don't care about story. I'm sure many of them do, but that's not like, it's not the purpose of their content. The purpose of their content is skill and like, stuff like that and that's that's cool i love that stuff i love to watch that stuff especially summer games done quick when, whenever they have kingdom hearts stuff that's always amazing to watch because like the vibes you get from the room like they're like effectively performing in like it's it's pretty awesome but uh yeah that's that's not the kind of stuff that the deep dive stream was so yeah a year ago we used to deep dive stream we also used to upload this podcast to youtube i'm so sorry so the reason why I've shared it on the podcast before, but just, you know, I think it bears repeating. Uh, so apparently 
Japan does have really fast internet, but not everywhere. Uh, and where I live is that not everywhere. Um, I live in a rural town in Nagasaki Prefecture in Japan. That's uh, Nagasaki, for those of you who don't know. Uh, so Japan has three main islands. There's uh, Hokkaido, which is the high, the most nor- northernmost big island. Then there's Honshu, which is the central island. That's the one that's got you know Tokyo, Osaka, Kyoto, all those lovely cities. And then you have Kyushu, which is the southernmost big island. That's where I live. I live in Kyushu. And I live in a sort of southern-ish area in Kyushu near Naga- Nagasaki City. I'm about maybe an hour away from Nagasaki City, actually. So not even close to that. Uh, and as a result of that, of, of living somewhere so rural, uh, as we would say in Japan, Inaka. Uh, yeah, so uh, just so you know, here, here's some some fun fun Japanese words. So Inaka. Uh, inaka means like rural, like a rural area specifically. I think, yeah, it's, it, it is a noun. So it's not like rural in the sense that for in english rural is like a an adjective so we would say like a rural place a rural town uh, a rural region uh in japanese inaka is just like the rural area like rural towns and such and such so it's it's a little bit a little bit of uh nuance there but it, it basically means a rural place inaka uh so yeah because i live in the inaka uh we miss out on a lot of things <laughs> namely fast internet you know you always hear about japan having like this crazy fast internet and they definitely do have it but it's kind of like a less worse version of the google fiber situation in america so in america google fiber is like this really fast internet that exists in maybe like five cities (laughs) and (laughs) that's it and that's that's not a lot of coverage in america not at all um but in Japan, it's more like if you live in a city, at least mildly big, you can probably get access to what is known as Hikari fiber internet. Oh, so uh, that that has some uh, that has some Kingdom Hearts ties. Uh, so Hikari means light, and uh, Hikari is the name of uh, the Japanese name of the first uh, Kingdom Hearts uh, theme song. So in Kingdom Hearts 1, the Japanese theme song is called Hikari. Uh, Hikari means light. Uh, Obviously, that's got a lot of uh, ties to Kingdom Hearts lore, you know, light versus darkness. Uh, Darkness being Yami. Uh, You'll hear that a lot if you, uh, yeah, if if you play Kingdom Hearts in Japanese or watch any cutscenes in Japanese, you're going to hear these three words a lot, these three Japanese words. Hikari, which is light. Yami, which is darkness, and Kokoro, which is heart. So, you know, that's 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 gonna be, you know, like the three main words. Like if you think about in English, how many times do characters say light or darkness or heart? Like Kyrie's heart's inside me? <laughs> like one of those. So uh yeah. Those are three good three good words. If you ever find yourself playing King Horse in Japanese, keep the keep those in memory. Uh, hikari, light, yami, darkness, and kokoro, heart. So uh, yeah. So speaking of that, uh, Japanese internet hikari it means light. So literally like a light internet. So uh, 
what that is is it's fiber optic internet that's what we would say in english uh the way fiber optic internet works we're gonna get a little technical sorry fiber optic internet uh so basically the lines the cables that send this internet through have these uh fiber optic shards of like glass in them and light beams of light are shot through those glass beam or those glass you know fiber fiber optic pieces that's fiber glass i guess i don't know and the light travels through it you know at the speed of light ish <laughs> as, as fast as it can go through this glass um and yeah uh that's 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 what the internet is based on and that's why it's so fast so uh yeah he cut he internet is literally like light internet and uh yeah so it's super fast it's not available everywhere but it seems like it will or is available now and uh the reason i know (laughs) that it's here now is because we just got a new uh a new teacher here in my town in japan and they're getting him internet and they were just like hey do you want hikari internet and then all the other teachers who were living here were like, wait, we have it? And they were like, uh, yeah, we've had it for a while. And then we're like, why didn't you tell us? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, and that's it. <laughs> what does that mean? Shogunai. Shogunai is what that means. Uh, oh, that's another good uh, Japanese word. Shogunai. Shogunai means it can't be helped. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you what you say when it's just like oh well i guess we can't do anything about it so we can't do anything about it but what we can do now is try to apply for that internet and if that internet does uh if we do get that internet i'll see about if we can't resurrect some things like live streams and uh youtube stuff I'm not sure how live streaming would work out here because my free time generally falls when y'all are sleeping out in the west like i'm talking 5 a.m eastern time so that might be difficult if that's like too much of a problem then maybe i'll just do let's playing but obviously like we're still gonna have a problem with like format like before one of the nice things about the deep dive stream was we were able to answer questions live from the chat and that's not really something we can do you know uh if it's a pre-recorded thing but maybe we could like set something up via comments, you know, maybe comments on the previous video can, you know, maybe some questions from that can be carried over into the next episode and then we can answer them. Yeah. We'll, we'll see about that. But yeah, that's, that's where my head's at. Uh, obviously in addition to that, you know, I'm also considering, you know, bringing the podcast back to YouTube. I really, like YouTube as a platform, I feel like we can reach a lot of people. And uh, obviously from a monetization standpoint, there's also ad revenue, but honestly, it's really not much. But like if the podcast ever did, you know, start to balloon in uh, listenership, like that'd be kind of nice to have as a as a revenue source for, you know, improving the show and everything like that. Uh, so, yeah. That's where we're at. That's a that is a personal update. That is a Japan update. That is a Kingdom Hearts Union update. All all in one. <laughs> let's let's move on with the show proper. 
For you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes store, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, and Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at KHUltimania. As for this episode, we've got two segments. We've got a news segment, and we've got a question segment. In the way of announcements... You can support us on Patreon at f- patreon.com slash ffkhunion. Just pledge a dollar and get access to a special podcast called Please Be Excited. Our Patreon executive producers are Barry Norton, who is at Nortron Zero, Blue Machine, who is at Blue Machine on Twitter. Uh, Blue Machine spelt like Sacre Bleu, B-L-E-U. I think that's I think that's how it's spelt for Sacre Bleu. I'm studying Japanese. Not French. Is that French? I think it's French. Christian Burge. Joe Tremonti, who is at JC Tremonti. Louis James. Satria Jaja Zudarma, who is at Satria 625 Rubin. Chris Morales. Brian McArdle, who is at DarthBrain92. Eric Decker, who is at Chaco Taco. Harley Crawley, who is at DarkZTOKami. Jonathan Gonzalez, who is at Oh, It's Just Johnny. Josh McNabb, who is at J2K9. Uh, J2K9. Marcus Karnecki, Michael Graham, Thorin Bullen, who is at Massacre23, Tyson Wildman, who is at Ty Wildman1, William Trengrove, who is at Varnish the Azure. Welcome back to Patreon. Uh, Will, Will, Will. Uh, Zach Toronto, who is at Z Toronto. Billy Jackson, who is at underscore Billy Jackson. Darren Matthews, who is at Doomster73. John McCree. Joseph Robertson, who is at Pokemon Trainer J. Keith Fields, who's at the Mighty Keith, Mark, Mario Herker, Mike Shirley, Mike Shirley Donnelly, who is at Curious Quail, uh, Muhammad Quayam, uh, Nico Gonzalez, who's at Nick underscore Knack ninety five, Rachel Casterton, who is at Orba Yoon Ray, Winkle the Bernie Bro, who is Perry Ramstead at the Bernie Bro. I don't know why that was changed, but thank you. I like this better. Vita Nitas, who is at V Tron V underscore Tron five thousand, Zach Porter, who is at Porter Paradox, and Zelda Clone, who is at Apes Type Novels. And be a part of the show. Please send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. Alright, moving on to the news. So you might be wondering, news? There was no Kingdom Hearts news. Ah. Well, young Padawan. You have a lot to learn. I'm a podcast host, and therefore, I can pull news out of thin air. No, it's not fake news, as the Trump tends to <laughs> clamber about. No, it's real news. But may- maybe it's not so news. But it- I think it's going to be interesting to talk about. Uh, I want to say that for this episode, the theme I had in mind was stuff that I can get away with because it's just me and not Churro and Sabi. <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of questions that I like and a lot of news that I like. And basically all the news that I like is for today is we're going to be talking about this. Kingdom Hearts has many open positions for hire. Uh, Square Enix is hiring a ton for Kingdom Hearts, and we're going to talk about the positions that are open and what that means for the production of Kingdom Hearts 3. So, obviously, as someone who's interested at uh, <laughs> as becoming a game developer here in Japan, this is obviously uh, extremely interesting for me. Uh, I think 
the only reason I know that they they've updated this is because I'm always looking at their at their job postings. So uh, yeah, right now, um, Kingdom Hearts three is not the only one they're hiring for. Uh, obviously, Final Fantasy seven remake is another big one. Uh, it's pretty interesting on their recruitment page. Uh, they've got like several like layers to it. So one uh, like the up, upper layer like shows their games they are like super actively hiring for and then below that they just have all the other business divisions that they're they're hiring for but it's not like like a super big deal for the company to hire for those um and the the there are only two games now that are like big and bold right there and they are final fantasy 7 remake for bd1 and kingdom hearts 3 for bd3 and those are the two games they're like hiring a lot for and uh, I'd really like to spend some time to talk about all the differences between all the, all the job hirings that they have, but uh, we only have time for Kingdom Hearts because this is a Kingdom Hearts show. So let's talk about the Kingdom Hearts hire, uh, things they're hiring for. There are 14 different positions that they're hiring for. So the breakdown is as follows. There are two game design positions, two modeling positions, two UI slash VFX positions, and two programming positions and six different animation positions. I, I save that one for last because I think it says something interesting about the jobs they're hiring for. So I, I will say that in terms of the jobs that they're hiring for, the breadth, the breadth of what they're hiring for, uh, it's pretty, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty thorough. Like it's pretty much, every everything from soup to nuts like everything is uh everything pretty much has like an open position which to me means you know they're getting into like super big deal mass production of assets and content and uh they need they need more manpower for these areas which is basically every area possible so yeah, uh, I just want to talk about real quick, like some interesting tidbits that I noted that I noticed from uh, the positions that they're hiring for. Uh, first, I want to talk about like some animation related stuff because uh, clearly that's the big thing that they're hiring for. Uh, so first, interesting thing that I noticed is that uh, so the Kingdom Hearts team uh, is largely based in Osaka, but there are actually some uh, roles that can also be served in Tokyo. So apparently Kingdom Hearts uh, employs animators in both Osaka and Tokyo. So yeah, I'm not sure how the breakdown works exactly, but it seemed like for most of the animation positions, you could pretty much get a job in Tokyo or Osaka, which kind of makes sense because like when it comes to animation, like obviously there's a lot that goes, a lot of that that goes on in Tokyo. So, you know, you might, might have an easier time recruiting animators uh, in Tokyo than in Osaka, so yeah, definitely, definitely interesting. Yeah, that's that's one of the, the I think that's pretty much the only uh, job title apart from <laughs> apart from Tetsuya Nomura, <laughs> the director, who is uh, y- you know, you know, uh, w- working from Tokyo. Uh, so yeah, uh, moving on. Kingdom Hearts 3's animation does in fact utilize motion capture for realistic characters, but for non-realistic characters slash creatures, uh, those are still animated by hand, which makes you know makes a lot of sense. But it's nice to see uh, confirmation of that. Um, 
you know, I, I noted that uh, one of the one of the softwares that they use uh, for their animation is uh, Motion Builder, and that's uh, some motion capture oriented software. So when people, when you see people in those like motion capture suits and they're like doing, uh, you know, a performance for a game or a movie or whatever, generally speaking, there's a recording program on the other side and it's usually motion builder. Uh, that's, uh, one of the standard, uh, that's pretty much the standard for motion capture as far as I understand. Uh, yeah. So it's, pretty much mainly used for motion capture uh like the actual recording of it i don't think it's used for fixing the animation i think after motion builder then they move it to maya and then from maya they clean up the animation uh so yeah uh by the way uh motion capture is not like a super automatic thing uh basically uh it doesn't eliminate the need for animators if you do motion capture what happens instead is after the motion capture is complete then the motion captured raw data is handed over to an animator who will then take that animation and fix the poses make it more smooth or believable or more interesting than what the actor actually did and basically fix it because the raw data that comes out can tend to look pretty janky. Um, I think a, a really good example of this is if you look at Mass Effect Andromeda, a lot of the animations there in general were pretty janky. And my understanding is not many human hands touched the animation <laughs> after it was motion captured. So if you want to see what like raw, what a raw motion captured game would look like, Mass Effect Andromeda will give you a good idea what that looks like. Not great, basically. Uh, uh, another interesting thing that I noted from the animation team is that uh, they actually have a separation between the team that handles the body animation versus the facial animation. So there are set there is a separation between that. So uh, it seems like the way the Kingdom Hearts team handles animation for cutscenes and basically anything is that uh, one type of animator will handle the choreography of what the body is doing and the other uh there, there will be another team that then takes that animation afterwards and then animates the face to uh either voice acting or just the emotion of the scene just so it's not a dead straight face the whole time you know it's it's actually reacting to it even if it's not like you know explicitly voice acting that's involved in that um, this is actually a uh, fun fact, uh, a pretty common practice, but not so the separation of the roles is, I don't think is necessarily common, but I know that it, uh, well, my, my main understanding of this comes from film animation. So I know for a fact that in toy story, the original toy story, uh, the Pixar team, the way they elected to animate their characters was they would do it in passes so they would do a blocking pass for just the body so they would just animate the body of the character and uh, a body also includes head so head and face is not con- not the same thing so the entire body including the head but not we're not touching face we're not touching mouth eyes nose eyebrows none of that and the reason they animated the body first was so they could capture 
the movement of the scene first. It's a little, little hard to explain. So they, they wanted to ensure that the face didn't rob the show, that the body was also focused on, which was really important, especially when they were still learning how to do 3D animation, is they wanted to make sure the body animation was good and realistic. So the one way they could guarantee that was just don't animate the face. And if you animate the body and it looks good, even if you only have the body animating, then you know your your, your body animation is great. And then if you just add on the facial animation, it pushes it that much further. So like basically the body animation is considered to be the foundation, whereas the facial animation is uh, more secondary, even though that's what people are looking at most of the time is they're going to look at the character's face, especially if it's a talking scene. But if you don't have a solid foundation for that, it's going to ruin everything. Even if the face is good and the body is animating weird, like you're going to notice that you're going to know something's off and it's going to, it's going to ruin the whole thing. So, uh, uh, teams like this will elect to do body animation first. It's also kind of a different discipline, a different, type of animation like a different speciality if you will um there are some animators that are better at action scenes like where characters are doing a lot of crazy motions they might be better at that than like you know a 20 minute long dialogue scene i don't know or just a dialogue scene in general where there's a lot of subtlety in the facial animation um an example of an animator like this that i'm sure a lot of our fans know uh is the late monty ohm uh, so if you guys know of the series of fan animations, Dead Fantasy, or even uh, his current show, which is still going even though he has passed, uh, which is Ruby, R-W-B-Y, that's the Rooster Teeth animation series. So uh, you'll know that Monty, Monty's big claim to fame was always his battle animations. That's what made him so popular was how he would animate dead fantasy and how cool the fight choreography was. But if you watch those videos of like dead fantasy, anytime there's like a conversation scene, it's not all that great. Like uh, that wasn't Monty's strength. Monty's strength was always the battle scenes. And that's why those looked world-class. So, in that same way, you know, there are a lot of animators that are a lot better with just animating the body. And there's, you know, different animators that are really good at animating emotional scenes and dialogue and making that look good. And both are important, especially in an RPG where story is important, but it's also uh, an action game. So action is also important. So I'd say both are equally important. And uh, I'm glad that these are separate separate things so that these people can specialize and become really, really good at both discipline at the disciplines that they're supposed to be good at. So there'll be one person that's really good at fight animations and there'll be someone else who's really good at facial animations and they can do their job in peace and just focus on that. So that that's kind of cool. Uh, so yeah, moving on, uh, let's talk about some of the game design positions. So uh, in the game design stuff uh there's basically three types of game designer game designers that uh, the osaka team employs which, which this, by the way this is kind of kind of interesting each team at square enix they're working on their various games 
they all have different roles and different titles that they hire for. Each business division has their own idea of what roles are and what people do in certain roles. So it's really interesting to see like the differences between how one team sees production and you can see it right through just job titles. So in the case of Kingdom Hearts 3, they have three different design positions. They have the battle planners. Oh, by the way, uh, in America, we call it game design. In Japan, they call it game prana, like uh, like planner. So they have uh, positions called battle planner, uh, level planner, and in Kingdom Hearts, this is a Kingdom Hearts exclu- exclu- exclusive role. They have something that uh, I guess the translation would be like production planner or direction planner. Uh, this one actually has uh, the title has changed recently. It used to just be production planner, uh, and now it's like real time production planner would be like the best, like a good translation for it, a real time direction planner. That's that's definitely kind of a weird one. So uh, a breakdown of what these guys do. So battle planner, uh, they're in charge of obviously planning and designing battles so they're they're designing the encounters that you experience so what enemies appear where uh they're designing uh they're they implement ai uh so they're not necessarily programmers but they do have some programming type tasks so in unreal engine they have a system called blackboard where you can create ai systems for like creatures or bosses or you know what have you uh, you know donald and goofy you can create the ai for that um i'm guessing that would fall mostly under uh battle planner whereas uh uh like the actual programmers are going to be programming systems more than anything um so yeah that's battle planner uh level planner uh or as we would say in america level designer what they tend to do is decide well obviously the design of the level but the decide the path through the level they decide where buildings go and they try to guide the player through their level design to make it clear so that when you're in any part of the map you can kind of see where you're supposed to go without a map without any sort of like sign or checkpoint like that's ideally that's what a level designer will be good at uh, but in a general sense, they decide where things like props and buildings and things like that, they decide where they go. Um, level designers are not modelers, though, not necessarily. Uh, level designers really just focus on the the art of placing things. They're kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the difference between someone who designs furniture and someone who is a decorator. The level designer is like an interior decorator and then a modeler would be more like a furniture designer. You know, they, they, they're the ones who made the furniture, but the, uh, the level designer or the interior decorator is the one who actually places it in the room and, you know, makes it look pretty with all the other things in the room. That's, that's basically what a level designer does. Now, how do they do that? If, you know, models aren't made yet, uh, they're, uh, generally what, level design level designers tend to make they might and they might use modeling software for this uh they make uh white boxes 
or uh and what that means is they make they basically make a mock-up of the level with very simple models that probably have no texture on them they're usually they're usually actually white and have nothing on them but it gives you a general layout of the level so if you want to know more about that just google uh level design white boxing and you'll actually see some examples of that and it's it's actually pretty interesting uh and i think like if you're interested in game development that's actually like kind of an accessible area of game development to get into i think uh you know if if you're good at like designing areas or even just decorating in real life uh the other design position that exists is production planner now this is something that i've only seen with kingdom hearts uh other teams have different things uh but this is more of a this is more of a kingdom hearts thing so in the uh in terms of kingdom hearts what what is this role so basically the production planner the best translation that i could come up with of this position is that this is a person who is mocking up and working with other members of the team in mocking up everything (laughs) in the game in kind of a rapid way so that the people after this person has mocked up this level know what it is they're making so it seems like kind of a generalist position where you're mocking up a lot of things, but it seems like a really high a really high level version of a person that is mocking up things like the level, the uh encounters that you'll get into, uh story elements like it seems like this guy is touching everything into production. Uh, some of the things that they're looking for is like storyboard creation as well. Uh, and it seemed like they wanted to make the storyboards actually in, un- in engine in unreal engine. Uh, they look for experience with like illustration, uh, comic book artists. Like they specifically listed manga as like experience they're looking for. So the best way I could describe this position is they're like the storyboarder, but it's not just for story. It's also for battle and level and all that good stuff. And uh, I'm kind of sad that this is like something I've only seen for Kingdom Hearts because like everything that I, I come to understand about this posi- particular position, it's something that I would personally love to try. But it also seems like uh, the level of Japanese for this kind of position would probably, you know, be pretty high because uh, you're at such a high level and you need to communicate with people after you as to what they need to make out of this level. So that that could be a restricting factor uh, for someone like me. But, uh, you know, I'm working on my Japanese. What can I tell you? (laughs) But yeah, uh, so those are the design positions. But something interesting, though. Uh, like I said before, there's only two game design positions that they're hiring for right now, and those two positions are battle planner and real-time production planner. So they're actually not hiring for level designers right now, uh, which would personally indicate to me that the mock-up of the general layout of all the areas in the game is probably at a pretty advanced stage. I'm not saying done, because they might still have level designers on their team working on that, but they don't need more. 
they don't need new people to be doing this job. So it's very possible that all the levels in the game are pretty much done in terms of being mocked up. But they are still hiring for uh, background modelers, and they're also mod- uh, asked, uh, hiring for character modelers. So they're still hiring modelers, so that means that a lot of the mock-up and planning phase is probably pretty much complete. Uh, obviously not all of it because they're still hiring for battle planner and uh, this real-time production planner position. But in terms of like art asset stuff, I think they're pretty much set in what they need. And uh, yeah, they're probably ramping up for uh, the hiring of people who are actually going to make make the, the final assets for the game. So yeah, that's pretty interesting. So yeah, that that's pretty much uh, the biggest things you could probably glean that are interesting from the their hiring spree. Other than that, you know, it just shows that Square is really committed to getting the resources they need, namely people, to complete this game for next year. So can't wait to see uh, them f- uh, follow through with that. All right, so moving on to the question segment. For this question segment, we got a lot of really, uh, <laughs> some really big, broad questions. So I hope I hope you're ready for these. Get some popcorn for some of these, because <laughs> some of them are like some like really out there difficult questions. But I love it when you guys ask it because it always generates some interesting analysis. So first question comes from Revolver Ocelot. I love that character from Metal Gear, and Revolver Ocelot asks. Do you think we will have another incomplete game on our hands with Kingdom Hearts 3? Final Fantasy 15 came out okay, but there were so many things about it that were unfinished and or unused. Ex- uh, I.e., or for example, Insomnia. Is there s- is this something is this something reasonable to fear for Kingdom Hearts 3? So yeah, uh good gravy. Final Fantasy 15. What happened there? <laughs> I, I love Final Fantasy 15, but yeah, I definitely agree with you, Revolver. Uh, there was definitely a lot of unfinished content in Final Fantasy 15, but I think, like, for me, the most grievous or most painful thing to see is all the unused but finished content that was in that game. <laughs> Like all these massive areas, these big open world cities, and there's just like either you don't go there or you just go to some small part of them or there's just barely anything involved with you arriving there. I'm looking at you, Insomnia. I'm looking at you, Altitia. I'm looking at you, Tenebra. I'm looking at you, Niflheim. Well, I mean, Niflheim, you get to do stuff, but it's not like you're not in the city. <laughs> like you're just in the in like the main empire area and they're like a bunch of hallways pretty much. So it's like, uh, so is this something to fear with Kingdom Hearts? You know, the idea of it being incomplete and unfinished. I mean. Yeah, it is a possibility. With all next-gen games, it's a possibility, unfortunately. These games are complex, and budgets are high, and expectations are high on on the investors' ends, and they want to they wanna see results, and sometimes that means releasing early. Is releasing in 2018 early? Maybe. I hope not. I hope 
they've had enough time and they will have enough time to finish what they need to finish. That being said, I personally feel that with Kingdom Hearts and the way Kingdom Hearts games are generally structured, we've got kind of a built-in safety net in that the games are modular. You know, there are very distinct separations between uh, Disney worlds in this game and not just Disney worlds, just any world in the game. You know, you travel to many worlds. So if hypothetically speaking, they couldn't finish one of the worlds they started working on and they had to cut it, that's a clean cut. It it, it sucks because you have to cut the, you have to cut the world. But if you cut that world out, it doesn't make the other worlds feel less complete. The, one of the difficulties with Final Fantasy 15 is, uh, so there's a lot of these areas that they put in a lot of work in and you'll see those areas, but you can't go there. I'm looking at you, Angel Guard, <laughs> that massive island that you can see off the Galden Key and you like barely go there at all. That probably wasn't cheap to make, yet it's there and you can't go there. Altisha uh, again, Insomnia, you know, there's all these areas that they built that, you know, they could cut them out, but it's like, then the world would look empty. So they just left it in. So it just feels like you're left out of the party. <laughs> like there's a party going on and you're not invited. Hi, King Slave. <laughs> I see I'm not invited to your party. <laughs> says says the uh, the four main bros when they when they watch the movie and see how how dope and rad all the adventures they go on in it's in Kingslave was man so sad so yeah is it possible kingdom hearts yeah i mean this kind of stuff happened to kingdom hearts like look at kingdom hearts 2 they cut roxas's fight out of the original kingdom hearts 2 and that was pretty pivotal like i hope that doesn't happen i i'm i personally lean on and hope for that if they need to cut something cut disney things don't cut main story things like like i love disney stuff but you know what the disney stuff that's put in that game you can put that in another kingdom hearts game you can save it for the next series like it's not super contingent for you to put that disney stuff in this game specifically but main story stuff that can only happen here (laughs) like the 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 series or not the series but the the season i guess you could say the arc that we're in the saga is ending if you don't put that stuff in now it doesn't make sense later so i would say get as much of that stuff that doesn't make sense later and make sure all of that gets in this game and any stuff that doesn't necessarily need to be in this game that could be in other games save it you know don't 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 blow your load on that stuff you know, again, if they need to cut, just to preface that, obviously, if you don't need to cut, don't cut anything. Make it the biggest game of all time. You know, make it, make it No Man's Sky Kingdom Hearts. You know, make make it the biggest thing you can if you can. But if you can't and you gotta cut something, cut something that doesn't matter or doesn't need to be in this game and can be in another game. That's just that's just my thing. So, is it a reasonable fear? Yes, but. It's also reasonable to say that it's not as scary as the proposition that we got with Final Fantasy 15, which was open world. So it's a lot, lot harder to hide your crimes in open world because everything's connected. 
This world has been connected. Anyway, moving on. This next question comes from Chris Love. Chris Love asks, Hi, considering the last episode... Well, this is kind of an old question, but I'm getting to it. Sorry, Chris. (laughs) Hi, considering the last episode was full of time travel talk, I wish to point out a bizarre inconsistency and ask you a question about it. In Dream Drop Distance, time travel is given as, well... There are too many rules to account for. Yet, in Kingdom Hearts 2, Merlin was capable of sending Sora, Donald, and Goofy into the past at Disney Castle without all the complex mind games. Do you think this will ever be addressed? And how do you think Zehanort would react if he realized he could have done uh, the Merlin route instead? That is a really good question. I actually hadn't considered that. Uh, but I did look into it a little bit and I just want to point out some interesting things I noticed about what Merlin did and about the whole Timeless River segment of Kingdom Hearts 2. There's a lot of interesting things to note. I don't know if we'll come to a conclusive answer here, but I think, I think we can come to some sort of understanding and, uh, it'll involve lots of mind games. So uh let's get the the pragmatic answer out of the way let's get let's get the the realist cynic answer out of the way why is it like this because the more i didn't think about it in like that far in advance and i don't know maybe he forgot that happened or he doesn't care or you know i'm sure he cares but like maybe like as far as he cares he wants to tell an interesting story in dream drop distance so if it if there's a little inconsistency whatever you know maybe that's how he is i'm not sure uh i'm just going based off what i hear about like other you know, famous content creators where there's a lot of like plot holes in their stories, namely Dragon Ball, uh, Akira Toriyama, creator of Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super, all that. Like, if you want a good laugh, go go read some of his interviews where they ask him some lore-related questions about Kingdom Hearts, and he he has like the the realest answers, like, "Oh, really? Oh, I forgot that," or like. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Like, Akira Toriyama, bless the man, he wrote that whole series by the seat of his pants. Every day is a new day. Every every page is a new page. Like, this man, he doesn't even know his series. Like, the people that know the most about Dragon Ball are not the people that make Dragon Ball. So, uh, it, I, I, I'm not saying is like that. I don't think he is. Uh, I think like in a lot of his interviews, he definitely shows an understanding of his own work. You know, he does. Ma- he is the creator after all. Uh, so I don't think he, he doesn't have a grasp on his own story, but for whatever reason, these inconsistencies come up and to some extent they're, you know, they're pretty reasonable that these things come up. I mean, that time travel thing that was back in 2005, 2006, who know when he, who knows when he actually wrote that part. And then like dream drop distance was 2012. So like, there's a big gap there. It's easy to forget. He's got a lot of on, on his plate. So that's a pragmatic answer. Let's get to the, let's do some kingdom hearts, mind game backflips to make this work. So let's talk about some things that could make this understandable or believable. So when Merlin creates the door to that world, he never says you're going to the past. He always says, this door leads to another world. 
it's a special world. He doesn't say, this is the past you're going to. Now, that's that, that is a very subtle distinction, but it is, it is different. It is a distinction. And I'll get to a theory I have, which, uh, again, uh, my theory is not worth anything. It's just... Uh, mind games like uh, if if someone you know strapped me down to a chair and said use Kingdom Hearts lore to make this work this would be how I make it work so because because this world is uh, referred to as a special world and not specifically by Merlin at least not specifically referred to as something that exists in the past, it's possible, going based on Kingdom Hearts lore, that like Dream Drop Distance, this could be a sleeping world. What? All right, let, let me let me just let me back up for a second. So, in in this area, so so this is a little bit of a strange sleeping world if it's a sleeping world, because it just so happens to be a sleeping world that is a past version of a world that you're in and it was traversed to via a door in that world. So, a little weird. But yes, so it is a world that represents the past but it may not necessarily be the past and it may just be a sleeping world. Now, is there, are there, I should say, are there any examples of this occurring in other games? Yes, there are. There are two, actually. Uh, one, and they're obviously both in Dream Drop Distance. So there are two instances in Dream Drop Distance where this sort of thing happens, where Sora goes to a sleeping world that represents the past. The first one is the Three Musketeers worlds. You encounter Donald goofy and mickey there now is that world disney castle that disney castle area i don't know i don't think so it was really unclear the nature of that world but it was the past how do i know it's the past because those are the same sword uh, those are the same mickey donald and goofy that you know but it's prior to when sora met them so obviously that's the past so that's one way it can be manifested. And how was that world created? I don't know. It fell into the sleep. Play Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance. They talk to they talk more about that. I'm, I'm not so up on my Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance lore. But I do know that is a representation of the past. The second situation, and I think it's more applicable to what we're talking about now, is the Fantasia world. So the Fantasia world is kind of a world within a world. <laughs> We're in some Inception stuff right now. So the way the Fantasia world is set up is Mickey is in the mysterious tower, you know, in Merlin's tower. And this is, again, in the past, or not Merlin, Yen Sid's tower. And he is training under Yen Sid. So this is obviously in the past. This is when Mickey is still training under Yen Sid. And just like in Kingdom Hearts 2... This is a past representation of a world. And where did Sora travel from to get there? He traveled from the Mysterious Tower. So just like in Kingdom Hearts 2 where he is in 
uh, Disney Castle proper in the present, and he goes through some sort of a portal door, whatever. He goes into the sleeping realm, and he goes to a past version of his current location, the Mysterious Tower. So that's another example of that happening. So there is precedence for this. It's possible this could be a sleeping world if it were only so simple. (laughs) Here's another side of the thing that makes it more complicated. I would say, so you bring up Merlin and his magic and how he, he, he does this thing. I feel less mad about how Merlin does this. I am more mad about how Pete gets there. Pete's method of getting there is the weirdest thing ever. So he's literally in the, the broken down castle at, at Hollow Bastion and he's like, Oh, what I wouldn't give to go to back to the good old days because Maleficent is like being savage and like ripping Pete a new one talking about how lame he is. And then Pete's like, Oh man, back then I got so much respect and like what I wouldn't give back, what I wouldn't give to go back to the good old days. And then he hears a sound behind him. And what, what is this? It's a door. It's a door to the Timeless River, which goes from Radiant Garden or the Hollow Bastion area to the past version of Timeless River. That's that's something that would also personally that that fact kind of indicates to me that 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 would feel more like a sleeping world than than you know what we saw in Kingdom Hearts, uh, you know, in Kingdom Hearts. So that to me would indicate that's more of a sleeping world than a time travel situation because it would seem like in a time travel situation, you would be time traveling to where you are in existence right at that point. Whereas Pete traveled from Radiant Garden to a past representation of the castle area. So, you know, you can take that for what it is. Now, That being said, the thing that causes the most problems, though, with this theory of it being a sleeping world, and I'm sure I'm sure there's probably, you know, some reason you could come up with. But the biggest problem is as far as everyone apart from Merlin is concerned, and Merlin's the only one who seems to really understand what's going on here. Everyone else calls it time travel. And. It seems like stuff that you do in this world, regardless of what the nature of it was, it does have effects on the world as we know it in the present. You know, you don't have to look any farther than the ending of that area where Sora uh, beats Pete and uh, puts the cornerstone of light back where it belongs. And then the spikes in the castle disappear. So that indicates that he, quote unquote, w- changed the future or, you know, change, change the past that changed the future. So, you know, you can take that for what it is. Maybe that's an ind- inconsistency that would ruin the possibility of it being uh, just a, uh, just a sleeping world, like from Dream Drop Distance. Um, Maleficent calls it time travel, but again, it doesn't seem like she knows what's going on. Uh the only thing that Merlin says that indicates that it could have been time travel is that he says you might be tempted to do something bad in this world. And the way it's described 
in the game, or at least the characters, Sword All and Goofy, what they realize, what Merlin means is, oh, they realize, oh, this is the past, which means I, if I do something here, I can change the future. And then Donald's thinking of using it for his own personal gain, and they try to stop him. So, you know, that's the Kingdom Hearts 2 interpretation of that. So it's unclear what the connection is between the Timeless River world and the uh you know disney castle world and the present that we know we don't uh, we don't know what the connection is but clearly there is some sort of connection so i don't think this fully solves everything but i think the best explanation that i can come up with is it seems like what xehanort has is real deal for real time travel and what merlin did could be just opening a portal to a sleeping realm world that somehow has had connections to Disney castle. And as a result of that, it wasn't meaningless to go there because <laughs> if it was just a sleeping realm world and it had no connection to the, the proper Disney castle, then the whole trip was useless. <laughs> I don't know. Look, I'm working with I'm working with what I what I'm given here. I'm, I did my best, Nomura. I did my best. I tried. You know, you know. If if you need help writing that Ultimania, I'll do my best. But yeah, it's uh it's a little a little hard. So uh, yeah, uh, uh, Nomura-san, if you want to like uh, fix that in KH3, by all means. All right, and our final question comes from the Philly Gamer, and the Philly Gamer said uh, asks. Hi, so I'm fairly new to the Kingdom Hearts Union podcast. Welcome. And I had a theoretical question that I had been wrestling with for a while now. The Keyblade of Hearts from Kingdom Hearts 1 has the ability, like Xehanort's Keyblade, to unlock people's hearts. This process is why Kyrie was freed from Sora. So why wasn't Ven's heart freed at the same time? Do we think the Keyblade of Hearts will make a return, and would Sora need it to free Ventus? I think this simply I think this was simply an oversight during the development of Birth by Sleep, but I was just curious if you might have your own theory or if you think this keyblade will make a return in Kingdom Hearts 3. So great question. Uh, I definitely agree with your uh, final statement. I think this was simply an oversight during development of Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Yep, that's that's most definitely probably what that was. And uh, I guess the, the best way we can chalk that up to is big complex story. Uh, you know, y- you can't explain everything. There's only a certain runtime in the game that they can uh, account for. And they just didn't think to explain that away when they added all this other stuff in Birth by Sleep. Uh, but... So that's a pragmatic answer. What's the uh, mental backflip answer? So the mental backflip answer is, again, I don't know if I have all the answers, but I think I've got some stuff that could elucidate some better understanding of this. So uh, uh, first thing to answer your question about, uh, will this Keyblade make a return? Maybe. It depends on if the translation of the Kingdom Hearts 3... uh, summary, uh, a plot summary that I've read is accurate, but, uh, apparently, uh, the thing that 
so uh, Sora, Donald, and Goofy, they have one mission, and Riku and Mickey, they have another mission in Kingdom Hearts 3, and uh, Riku and Mickey's mission is, specifically, they are looking for a Keyblade to, uh, called the Keyblade to Return Hearts. Now, that's not necessarily the same Keyblade, but it might be the same Keyblade. The name is like so similar that it makes me think maybe they just changed the like the name of it. Like they just localized it different. So th- that could be it. But it could also just be, uh, forget that Keyblade. We're going to make another Keyblade <laughs> that has a similar name and similar function. I don't know. But, ju- you know, just so you know, there is a Keyblade that has a very similar name. It's called specifically, according according to the plot summary, it is called... The Keyblade to Return Hearts. Whereas this is like the one from uh, Kingdom Hearts 1. It was like the Keyblade to Unlock or to Free Hearts. Like something like that. Or the Keyblade of Hearts. Like it was a little weird. So, all right. So now on to the backflippy lore answer. So why is it that Kyrie was released and Ventus wasn't? All right. So, again, I don't have all the answers, but... So you asked why. Before I can answer why, I'm going to answer what. You got your whys and you got your whats. Those are different questions. Uh, by the way, in Japanese, why is nande? Nande? And what is nani? Or you can also say, in some, in some cases, you can just say none. But uh, nani is what? And nande is why. I'm going to answer the nani. I'm going to answer the nutty. What happened when Sora jabbed his heart? So we got a few, got a few things. So, uh, Kyrie's heart was released. Kyrie was resurrected and Roxas was created. Now, if you ask me what happened to Ventus heart after, after Sora jabbed his heart with a, with a, with the Keyblade of Hearts, well, clearly, it had something to do with his nobody. It had some effect on his nobody. Like, because that nobody sure doesn't look like Sora. That looks identical to Ventus. So my guess is that what happened to his heart, I don't know. But whatever it, whatever happened to it is it had something to do with Roxas and why Roxas looks the way he does. So that explains more or less what happened to his heart, or at least where his heart went, or at least the influence of Ventus's heart went. It probably did not stay with Sora, and it probably lived on with Roxas. Now, does that mean Roxas had a heart, or was Ro- or was Roxas a heart? I don't know, or was he just t- tainted by it? I don't know. I don't. I don't have all these details. But what what I can say for sure is his existence is not 100% unaccounted for. And you can explain it away by saying the existence, you know, whatever it is that Sora had in him that was Ventus, that went on and helped in the creation of Roxas. What that was, I'm not sure. Now, why? Why did this happen? Okay, so that's the question you asked. I'm sorry, I can't answer that. That's something you're gonna have to. <laughs> that's something you're gonna have to ask Nomura-san. That's 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 his mental backflip to make. 
but if I had to guess, the why is probably the what. Uh, maybe his body wasn't there, so his heart had to go somewhere. So he probably followed after Sora's body, and Sora's body became the nobody. Something like that. It's it's confusing, but something along those lines is the you know the answer lies somewhere in that realm where it has something to do with Roxas. I think that has that clearly has enough foundation in like actual Kingdom Hearts lore that we can see played out in Kingdom Hearts. You know, it's obvious Ventus was made on purpose to look identical to Roxas. Not to spoil too much, but maybe he's in a certain cell phone game as well. Um, so there's something to do with that. Ventus, Ventus's existence is a little bit more significant than we know right now. We'll find it out later. Clearly, they're really hyping up reviving him and all of that. So we'll have to see how that goes. You know, it is a a very interesting question. But yeah, that is uh, that is pretty much where we stand at the moment um, uh, until uh, Tetsuya Nomura elaborates further, potentially, in Kingdom Hearts 3. Alright guys, so that pretty much wraps up this episode. Our music for this episode is uh, a Destiny Islands cover by Lon Lon JP. Now Lon Lon, I love this guy. I don't think we've ever really included... I don't think we've had any of his music on the show, and if we did, it was a long time ago. Uh, Lon Lon does a lot of really great acoustic covers of uh, Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, anime, like you name it, songs. He's so good, super, super talented, and uh, I definitely recommend checking him out on on, on YouTube, Lon Lon JP. We're going to be listening to his cover of Destiny Islands from Kingdom Hearts. I thought it was pretty uh, apt for this episode because, you know, it's summer, and uh, Destiny Islands is definitely a summer kind of place. So uh, definitely sit back, relax, and enjoy that cover. Our next episode for Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 15th of August. And uh, I'm not going to, again, this is another one of those things where it's like, don't get your hopes up. (laughs) That's how I feel with my internet. And that's how I feel with, uh, you know, uh, a trip that I have planned. Uh, But we may have a guest next episode. Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) Stay tuned. And uh, it might be a big guest and they might just steal your heart. That's all I'll say. But, you know, it all depends on scheduling. And if you guys look at our Twitter, you probably already know who I might be referring to. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're moving on on that. So seeing if we can't uh, find a good way to incorporate that person. Uh, so, yeah, uh, as always, you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts and we're number one. And, of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com or Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at KH Ultimania. And remember, you can support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And if you guys want your crazy questions to get answered on the show, please send them to khuquestions at gmail.com. I'd really like to actually get some uh, 
some questions you guys might have about the uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 trailer we just had. Haven't, I haven't noticed any of those, so I'd love to hear what you guys think of the trailer. If there's anything you want to ask about it, I'd definitely like to talk about that with Churro and Sabi and maybe another person if they... <laughs> If we can get them on the next show, that'd be so great now. Like, man, so so good. Anyway, and, uh, yeah, so that pretty much wraps up our show for today. Uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. There's a lot of stuff that I'm sure probably wouldn't work with a show with Sabi and Churro, because there's a lot of blabbing from me. So this is a, this is a blabby episode. If you like me blabbing, you're welcome. If you don't like me blabbing, I'm sorry. Next episode will probably be... Uh, nicer for you. Hey, next episode we might have more people than we usually have. <laughs> That's rare. So we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. You know. So uh, yeah, uh, I'm Brandon. Saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production. <laughs>